Well, glory all God's people said. Amen. Thank you so much, Phil, for that beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. Timothea. Didn't you enjoy that this morning? My soul. I appreciate so much her heart. I just reached over and hugged her and told her we are going to have her back if she will come back. And so I know that your heart uh, was blessed by that. This morning, we truly have a treat. Um, as you know, I've been going to the island for 25 years, and uh, we love going to Jamaica. Many that are seated in this auditorium right now, uh, you have been to the island. And, um, and this morning, we have Pastor Franklin Holness with us and his sweet wife, June. And uh, so just go ahead and give them a big, big hand clap for being here today. They have been at Danvers Penn Missionary Church for the last 27 years and uh, ministered there. Um, Mike Clements and June Durham have been there the last eight years and, uh, and I know that they love going each and every year. And so it is such a joy to have you, my friend. Uh, this is a man that loves King Jesus, loves the Word of God, and is going to share a message straight from God's Word this morning. So one more time, let's welcome Pastor Holmes. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. It is indeed a joy for June and myself to be here with you this morning. It is indescribable at this particular point in time. I'll say you that honestly. It is indescribable. The fact is, over the last eight years that um, your church, you wonderful set of believers, have accepted God's call and have come not just to Jamaica, but to our little neck of the woods in St. Thomas to minister has brought untold joy to us. The persons that we have met from this fellowship have been fantastic in terms of their warmth, their love, their attention, their care. You name it, we have had it. I have had the privilege of being with Pastor, with Mike, June, uh, a couple of others whose names I am not able to recall at the moment um, because there are so many of them. But the fact is that there are the ministry has been fantastic. Their commitment to Christ and to serving in various areas, because some of the places they've gone have been a little bit difficult to get to. But there's never been a complaint. There's always been joy unspeakable and full of glory. And that makes June and myself so happy to be here today to see where it has all started. No, it hasn't finished. 
We know that. Amen, church? But this morning, as we come together, let me say to you again that indeed you have been, as a congregation, honoring God's word by going into all the world and preaching the gospel. Many persons in our church up in Danvers Pen have been strengthened by your ministry, have been blessed. Last year, we had a health fair and so many persons in the community came and were blessed with eyeglasses and all sorts of stuff which enabled their lives to be that much better. And again, on behalf of the Danvers Pen Missionary Church, I say to you all, thank you and may God continue to bless you. <clears throat> the fellowship here, since we have come, we came here on Wednesday, and the fellowship of believers that we have met have continued to, as it was in Jamaica the last time that, you know, last time we were there, which was that, two weeks ago. But we give God thanks. Sister Betsy, I met again. I remember her. She has also been very instrumental at our school because Joe and I do run a school as well. Uh, Kinder Prep, which is committed and devoted to bringing boys and girls to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, even while they're learning to read and write. And um, your group, this group, has also, on more than one occasion, visited our school, shared with us in the word and in the gifts and stuff, and for that, again, we say thank you, thank you, thank you. Brother Mike... And Sister June, what can I say about them? They are virtually honorary members of the Danvers Penn Missionary Church. Um, there's one year, where, fortunately for us, there's never a year in the last eight when both of them chose to be absent at the same time. So one was absent on one year, the other one was absent another year, but together they have been a tremendous source of encouragement and blessing to us there at Danvers Penn. Sister June with the children every evening. It has been a joy. But I could go on all day, but you'll have to bring me back just to talk about the ministry that you um, people have, been, have blessed us with. But this morning, beloveds, with the grace of God, I would like us to spend a little time looking at our responsibility as believers. Let us pray. Our God and our gracious Heavenly Father, we pause in your presence to give you thanks for all your many blessings to us. Blessings that we, can, we do not know that we deserve, but because of you and who you are, you choose to bless us abundantly. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for journeying mercies for all of us from far and near. Thank you for the fellowship of believers that we enjoy because of what Jesus Christ you did for us on Calvary's cross and brought us together. And so we pray that as we would look into your word a little bit this morning, that your Holy Spirit will take it and will use it to your honor, to your glory, and to our benefit, that God, we will perhaps leave here with a little bit more of an enthusiasm to go into the world to make disciples of all men. Thank you, O oh God, for the time that we have already spent and for the rest of the time we will spend in your house. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> now today, by the enabling of God's Holy Spirit, we'll seek to, if you will, reinforce in our minds what I would say this is the significance 
of the believer in God's plan for mankind. God is eternal. God is divine. And it pleased him to entrust to mankind a responsibility to bring other human beings into a relationship with him. And those of us in here have taken up the mantle of discipleship. Amen, church? Now, you don't have a problem with amen because in my church we say amen quite a bit. Because we, um, we, we just, it, something that gets to us and we have to say yes, that's what, that's what I would say too. So this morning, okay, we wanted to reinforce, if you will, because we'll be looking at it's not strange. It's not new. But perhaps as we seek to look at it again, there might be something in there that the Holy Spirit will be able to use to galvanize us to get us to go a little bit more, that little extra mile, if you will, so that we can achieve God's purpose in this world through your life and mine. And so we have two small portions of Scripture, which I'm going to read as a basis for thought sharing this morning. Both are take note of the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, and uh, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation, as I said in Sunday school this morning, there are so many translations out there nowadays that I think everybody has a different translation. But in my translation, it says, You are, Jesus speaking, this was in his very first public gathering with his disciples after he had been baptized. It says, You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can, it, can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine, shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. That was at the beginning of the session, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, as he started out that three and a half year ministry, which led him up to the cross. At the end of that ministry, when he was about to leave, having taught for that period of time, having gone to the cross in obedience to God's will for your salvation and mine, he gathered his people together again. And the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, including those in, in chapter 3. And you can be sure of this. I 
Jesus, I'm always with you, even to the end of the age. That is a powerful state or set of statements made by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who died for us, the one to whom we have claimed and, and said or be obeisance to, the one who has taken us from nothing in the world. Because when we are in sin, we are nothing. We are just little tools for Satan to use to get his way in the world. But it pleased God to send Jesus, and it pleased Jesus to obey his Father and to go and die for us. And now he says to us, I am gone. But there are certain responsibilities and obligations which you, my people, you who have taken me on as your Lord and Savior, need to continue. Because Jesus is not coming a second time to die on the cross. When he comes again, it's in glory. And those of us who are ready will be going with him. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But for those who are not with him, then it's going to be weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. But we are now at that critical point. And although this is 2018, and Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, he is still seeking boys and girls, men and women, old or young, to come out of the pit of sin to come into his paradise of righteousness. And because he's not coming to preach anymore, he calls upon us, every one of us, to go into all the world and to preach. But for us to do that properly, we need to look back at the first portion of Scripture. That's what we're going to look at for a bit. He says, you are, all of us, are the salt of the earth. Now we know, well, even myself, because occasionally I stay by my wife and say, cooking. I'm not a good cook, believe me. I'm a good eater, but not much of a good cook. But she is a good cook and not a good eater. So it balances out. But I know the importance of salt in, not in the diet, because it's not good in the diet. I, I, I'm experiencing that because of high blood pressure. But I know the benefit of it as a purifier, as a, a material, a chemical substance which preserves meat. And in my early days when I was a youngster, um, which was a long, long time ago, where I lived, there was no refrigerator. And so any meat or fish, which we wanted to keep for a couple of days, was salted. And this obviously was before my time, when Jesus likened his disciples, us, to being the salt of the earth, the purifiers of the earth the persons through whose life the, the world will be preserved. And that's a that should be not only a challenge to us, but also something that encourages our hearts, that it, that it pleased God to give us that opportunity 
and also that responsibility. Sad to say that there are many times when as believers we drop the ball and we feel pretty satisfied with our own position in Christ. And we say, I'm saved, so the other man can go to hell. And I don't mean that, uh, you know what I mean when I say that. We, we don't really care. We do not live lives that encourages others to come to know Jesus. So what that causes is that if, for example, there is a time when there is a, a crusade and we are called upon to be to help in that crusade, and there are people in our community who come to these meetings, we now find it difficult to really share with them about the love of God, about the salvation that God offers, about the lifestyle that he wants them to live by. Because they have seen us for a long time not living that way. And so we now find our position in Christ compromised. Jesus says from day one, we must remember that having been saved, we are transformed into salt to be able to purify those around us. Now, what I, when I thought of this, I realized also that salt cannot operate as a purifier by itself. Salt has to be mixed in with the meat. So you don't keep the salt on the shelf in the pantry and you put the, the, the meat on the table and they don't get involved with each other and the, the meat stays pure, does it? The salt has a mix up with it. And you and I, when we consider ourselves as salt in this world, need to get our hands dirty in terms of reaching the unsaved for Jesus Christ. Now, I know I'm preaching to the converted because Danvers spent Missionary Church in particular and St. Thomas in general every March or in that region have benefited from the fact that you people here are committed to this cause of shedding, of sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ in every shape and form, in the spoken word, in singing, in sharing, in whatever means God will lay it upon your heart to be the salt of the earth. It's something, however, that we must ensure that we carry on constantly, not just in March or at Easter time or at some special functions, but all throughout our life. At the workplace, on the play field, wherever we are, we must stand out. We must be salt. And so anybody we encounter, we mix with them only to make them better. We mix with them to be able to emphasize to them the difference that Jesus makes in the life of an individual. And so I pray this morning that all of us in here who know the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior will recognize the significance of our relationship, our position as salt in the place where we are. And to ensure that with God's help, with his guidance, with the empowerment of his Holy Spirit, because he doesn't leave us on our own. He doesn't. We couldn't make it on our own. But he sets us up 
and he is able and willing to deliver us through every situation that, en that we encounter if only we allow him to have full access in our lives. So he says also, but the other thing I see here is that if the salt is not performing its function, is not allowed to perform its function, if it has lost its flavor, it has, it's, it has lost its saltiness, it is it, it done. The Jamaican father, it done. It cannot be made salty against salt once. And once it has lost that, it has lost it. We don't want Jesus when he comes or when we die and believes everything is all right. Did I not do this? Did I not do that at some time? Yes, but in as much as you did it, you didn't do it to the least of these. The least of these, my brethren, you didn't do it unto me. Depart from me, I don't know you. We don't want that. It says, if salt has lost its flavor, its ability to salt, it will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And no believer in Jesus Christ who has come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ ever wants to be considered by God or by man, and certainly not by God, as being worthless. It must be that we are going from glory to glory. And each day of our lives we are treading upwards. It might be difficult, but we know that at the end of it there is joy unspeakable and full of glory waiting on us. Amen, church? Isn't that something to work towards? I would think so. To, to emphasize this more, however, Jesus in his early ministry made sure to, say, to, to give them another picture of who they are and who we are in the world today. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and put it under a bushel. We used to sing that song in Sunday school. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. You know that. I can't sing. But I remember that from Sunday school days. And that is what us as believers need to recognize. That Jesus, Jesus said we are this, you know. He made us so. When we got converted, when we came to Jesus, he transformed us out of that sinful muck into a pillar, of, a, a bowl of salt for purification and a pillar of light to bring, to separate the darkness. Because whenever there's darkness, just one candlelight makes a significant difference. Does it not? Just one light, one flashlight, one thing in the phone. And all of a sudden, two things happen. We can see where we are going and other persons can see where we are. And as believers, we need to recognize that is, that's the message that the Lord Jesus Christ was obviously sending to his disciples early in their Christian walk. That not only must they be purifiers of the world around them, but they must be lights that shine in the darkness. Because they know that mischief can't go on in darkness. You know? Mischief cannot go on in darkness. Once the light turns on, teeth hide. Is that true? Yes. And Jesus wants us to understand that that is our role, our responsibility, to lighten the world where we go. So wherever we are, there must be a difference in the perspective of those around us 
Something you don't even have to open your mouth. Just how you conduct yourself in situations. Because Satan always calls, wherever Satan's people are, Satan is there. In the very same way that we're, 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 we're Jesus' people are, Jesus is there. We are Jesus' agents. We cannot allow Satan's agents to overrun the situation. We are the light of the world. We must show up, the dark, show up what is happening. Darkness must disappear when we appear. Amen? So it says to them, in the same way, instead a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. And in that same way, he says, just as that picture is made, he says, let our good deeds. Here's where the rubber meets the road, beloveds. The rubber meets the road in what we do. It is fine to believe in Jesus Christ. Fine. But unless we put our money where our mouth is, it is almost pointless. We are just like hypocrites. We need, therefore, to get into action. That is what the believer's life is all about. It's not getting saved, getting baptized, joining, being around the church role, and then sit back. It is what you guys do. Just go out and share. Amen, church? I don't hear no amen. Because that is the ministry of the believer. To go and tell. Now, after Jesus had said this, and had sort of given the, these disciples the genesis of their job description, as you will, what they are going to be facing out there, how they must deal with it, he spent the next three and a half years leading them, showing them what the power of the Holy Spirit can do as he healed the sick, as he fed those who were hungry. All these various things were just examples that Jesus Christ was showing. Because he knew he wasn't going to be there for long. When he was showing them what it is that their lifestyle should be. He never showed up himself in a church. He went to the temple on the appropriate day. But for the other days, he was out there with the masses as the salt and as the light. Showing up, protecting, purifying. And there are many persons who came to acknowledge Jesus Christ during that time. Today, there are countless thousands, millions over the years who have accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. But I dare say that there are a lot more who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ. Maybe you know one person in your scheme of things who have not yet come to Jesus Christ as Savior. You and I are the salt in that person's environment. You and I are the salt, the light in that person's life to show them a different way. Now, when that happens over time, then we find that the, 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 the impact, the impact of salvation on our lives begins to take on new significance. Because we realize that we are not saved to sit. We are saved to serve. And as we serve, we get more blessing, more enhancement for what? To sit. 
to serve more. Amen? And until that time comes when it pleases Jesus to come back, when he will be able to look at our work and we are able to present to him what it is that in our feeble way we have been able to accomplish under his guidance, his direction, because of our obedience to his call and his cause. It is therefore very significant that at the end of Jesus' ministry, after the sadness of that last week, when the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, and Brother Mike um, and I shared a movie earlier, um, earlier in the week um, about the same topic here, where Jesus Christ was taken and crucified. And the people of God, the disciples, felt totally abandoned. They hid themselves in that period when they are down and out. Jesus again comes to them. And when I read that, I re it came back to me that that is our Jesus. When we are at our wit's end, when we feel that nothing else can go wrong, Jesus comes to make it right. To make it right. And so in Matthew chapter 28, having been raised, been crucified, suffered, died, in the tomb for three days, gloriously raised. His job is finished. His job is finished. But guess what? The disciples won't just that. Because for that three and a half year of ministry, they always had him as their crutch. They could see him. He would take over the situations. But he's going to go. And before he goes, he gives them this word. He was about to leave. Jesus came and told his disciples. If you read a verse before, it says that some of the disciples were in doubt. Even at this point, many doubted. But Jesus said to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So he declares himself. Here's who he is and what he is able to do. And what he was able to do then, now in 2018, he is still able to do it. And what the disciples were experiencing then, you and I might ex will be experiencing now. But the same Jesus, in all his power, who was able to do all that he did for them while he was there is still available and able to do it for us today in Chattanooga, in White Oaks, and in Danvers, Penn, and wherever. We just have to make ourselves available. On an on, we can't take no holiday. St. Thomas is not a holiday for the beach. I get, I get a little small squeeze. Uh, after they have worked for the week, maybe about a Friday or so, Brother Tony, they get a little half day, and then it's back to the grind here when you come and you, you have to be ministering here as well. So there's no real time off. But when we serve Jesus, the blessings that we get 
inside your soul. It's so fantastic that, what the word says, I hath not seen nor the ear heard, nor can it enter into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. So all we need to do is to continue to love him and allow him to work through us. So he says to the disciples, I have all authority from God in heaven and in earth. Therefore, therefore, and this is a call to us today, go and make disciples of all nations. Up until that time, Christianity was confined to the small group of brethren who were essentially Jews. But Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. He was limited because he was in human form. So he could not be in a multiplicity of places at one and the same time. Could even be in 12 places at one time. Given the fact he had 12, well, 11 disciples and they added one. Okay? But he now says to this small group, you go and make disciples of all nations, Jews, Greek, Rasta, Chinese, Negro, you name it. Go and preach to them. Go and live my life, my lifestyle, which I've taught you, he says. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, which we do. Teach. So teaching is not only the prerogative of Dr. Wilson or the leaders in any congregation. Each and every believer, we have a God-given mandate to teach. We cannot teach, however, what we do not know. Consequently, for us to obey this and to benefit from this, we must seek to know what he taught for ourselves. The disciples were with him every day, so they heard it. Okay, We need to be with him every day too, so that we can hear it. We might not hear it in our ears, but we hear it in our hearts. By the power of the Holy Spirit talking to us. And he does. But sometimes we are so busy with the shouts of the world. And being, and being a part of the shouting of the world. That that still small voice is drowned out. And as that happens on an ongoing basis. We become less and less effective teachers of the world. And so we fail. To honor this mandate which Jesus Christ has passed down to us. Teach these new disciples to obey all, not some, but all of the commands that I have given you. What he was saying, over this three and a half years of ministry that I've been with you, you have learned a lot from me. Now I want you to go and teach that. If 12 of you go, and yet, each of you take one, then all of a sudden it's 24 to go and then get 24, make 48. And by the time you look around, it's a tremendous multitude. I trust that every one of us here can look back in our life and say, I've, I've led at least one person to Jesus Christ. And that leading is not necessarily to get them to come to the altar here and you, say you, and you spoke to them. 
it is to lead them by the lifestyle that we live at home, in the workplace, on the play field. Because wherever the believer is, God is there. And we must demonstrate by our life that we belong to him. So if somebody follows us on the play field, expedience is not the next thing that comes. It is forgiveness. It is encouragement as we go along. So wherever we are, because the disciples were told in his last message to go and teach these new disciples to obey. Teach them to honor my words. And he closes with a word which is so beautiful. And be sure of this. Now when God says be sure, you think of that. I mean, in ourselves already, we know that God is certain. But God will tell you that he is certain. He's reinforcing to the minds and ears of these believers, his disciples. Be sure of this. Make no mistake about this, he's saying. I am. I am. Sister Juno struggled with that like, over the week. We are in that, that I am. What's the struggle? She had that also in her thinking. Because God says to Moses, I am. The I am. Amen? Amen. Our God is the I am. And Jesus said to his disciples, I am. I am with you for the rest of your life. No, sir. I am with you always. Always, even to the end of the age. Can you believe that? Can you understand the implications of that? He had, he had said it in one of his words. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so believers this morning, the challenge for all of us is to take God at his word. Not just by word of mouth, but by Inside here, so let God be in yourself, empowering us to do all that He says. The more of God's business that we are engaged in every day is the less space, humanly speaking, for there to be for Satan to insert any little thing into our life. Amen, church? It is when we are in our idle moments whether idle mentally or physically, that we allow space for the enemy of our souls to come in and to work and to widen the gap between ourselves and our Creator and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we have come into his house, gathered in his name to worship him, let us encourage each other to realize that we are and to live as we are, because that's what we are, the salt of the earth. Amen. To live as we are intended to live, as the light of the world. Because as Jesus is, he says, so are we in this world. And to obey his last command. Because the last thing that somebody hears, the first thing they remember. Obey his last command. Go into all the world. Make disciples all nations, teaching them to obey all the commands. And I am with you always, for his name's sake.
stand together. Thank you, Pastor Holness. I know your heart was blessed this morning. My prayer is that when I'm 76 years old, that I will have a strong voice like that and a strong word. God is so good. And all the time He is good. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. If you're here today and God has spoken to your heart, you're here today and you've realized that you have never placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I want to encourage you in just a moment when we begin to sing to come and take me by the hand and we can share Jesus with you. Maybe today you just want to come and get on bended knee. God has been speaking to your heart as Pastor has been preaching the word. You just want to take care of some business between you and King Jesus at this altar. Why don't you come and find a place at this altar? God has spoken to you in any, in any way. Father, Lord, today we, we bow before you and we thank you so much that we truly can be right here, right now. We thank you for your word. It is alive. It's powerful. And I pray this morning, God, that you would continue to speak through your word. And I pray that we would be obedient and that we would respond to that still, small voice. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's sing. And as we sing, if God has spoken, 